Hi, this is Tina Powell, host of In The Suite, where I sit down with top women leaders and some of the biggest names in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Together, we'll discover some of their best secrets and top strategies to grow great business, build a strong brand, and lead teams in the 21st century. I hope you'll enjoy hearing their amazing personal stories of triumph, trepidation, and transformation in hopes of becoming better leaders ourselves. The time for you to lead is now, and you're in the suite. The name Diana Britton is synonymous with wealth management. After all, Diana spent the last 11 years of her journalism career at wealthmanagement.com, where she currently serves as managing editor. Wealthmanagement.com delivers independent editorial expertise and proven financial services marketing solutions to over 435,000 financial advisors and wealth professionals. Their parent company, Informa, is a leading international intelligence, events, and scholarly research group that is listed on the London Stock Exchange and is a member of the FTSE 100 with over 10,000 colleagues working in more than 30 countries. Financial advisors and industry professionals will recognize Diana as a leading speaker and boots-on-the-ground reporter at industry conferences, to wearing a gorgeous full-length ballroom gown at the annual WealthManagement.com Industry Awards, aka The Wealthies, taking place on September 9th, 2021, live and in person at the Zigfield Theater in New York City. Leave it to Diana to spot stories of the day and to be a harbinger for financial advisory industry while keeping us current on information and trends that affect us the most. Nominated for three Jesse H. Neal Awards, which honors and promotes the work of business-to-business journalists, Diana received honorable mention in 2020 Tabby Awards, the Trade Association Business Publication International, for the feature article, Baby Bump, Career Slump. She holds a master's degree in journalism from the prestigious New York University. Not only has Diana written about finance and investments, but she's also covered the trucking industry, entertainment and media, religion, social justice issues, and general news. Having started her career as an intern at the Daily Breeze, she moved to being an intern at The Hollywood Reporter, a reporter at Institutional Investor, the managing editor at Heavy Duty Trucking, to finally landing a spot at wealthmanagement.com. But that's not the whole story. One of the many gifts you'll discover about Diana Britton in this episode is her transparency, literally and figuratively. Diana is the popular podcast host of Transparency with Diana B., a podcast from wealthmanagement.com focused on advisors' personal well-being and healing. She explores important and sensitive topics like overcoming the racial wealth gap to fighting cancer and dealing with bankruptcy and sobriety with in-depth interviews with financial advisors and inspirational leaders like John Hyland, co-founder and executive officer of Private Advisor Group. The theme of transparency continues as Diana takes us through her own personal journey, in which she reveals how reporting and editing have changed since the pandemic, what keeps her rooted in financial services, and the important trends we need to keep watching. And as the world unwinds from the lasting effects of a global pandemic, 
Diana is here to remind us there's much more to learn about the need for awareness, support, and mental well-being in the suite. Wow, Diana Britton, take a seat in the suite. It is so, so great to see you. I am excited for today's podcast with you. Wow, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in ages. Are you back in the office yet? No, I'm still working from home. So excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. I yeah, I've been working from home for the last year or so. I'm literally working in the boiler room in my basement. The timing was great. We bought our house on Long Island before the pandemic broke out and sold our apartment in Queens right before the pandemic hit as well. So timing couldn't have been better. We've um, just working here with my two kids, Billy and Tina, your namesake. So all's well, doing doing well here. Oh, that's so great. How old are how old are they now? Five and two, but soon to be six and three. Tina will be three in June first. Oh, congratulations. Wow. Happy birthday, Tina, June first. And my daughter's yeah. born in June too, which isn't isn't that awesome? Yeah, awesome. I feel like you and I are in this middle period, right? Where definitely what timing for you and your husband that you had this house. And now I feel like we're like, even though we're in virtual mode right now, we're full on virtual, we're starting to see the tea leaves. And we know that Q4 is is going to look different. So before you were, you're in Long Island right now, but even before that, you really are a native of LA. And I don't know that people know that about you, Diana. You have a really fascinating background. So you definitely switched coast before the pandemic, which is which is a really good thing in addition. Yes. Yeah, so I grew up in a in a beautiful beach town on the cliffs in Southern California. It's called Pals Verdes or PV, as we called it. And I always I miss it so much. I, I miss California. I miss the weather. And it's been a tough winter here on the East Coast. We had a lot of snow and, you know, sort of having to work from home through the pandemic with two kids and my husband working from home too. It was hard to get out of the house when it's so cold. And now at least the the weather's better. You know, you can go take a walk and um, I'm not sure what your experience has been, but I think it's also been hard just being away from my family who's, they're all in Northern California now. Um, in the Sacramento area. So I just recently had my mom come out to New York and visit. Um, She's fully vaccinated now, but I haven't seen her in more than a year. And so it was just quite a reunion. So guess where I was on March 5th, March 5th of 2020. Guess where I was? Just take a guess. Sacramento? (laughs) Yeah, California. I was in LA. Oh, nice. And so my uncle, who does comedy, rented out a, a small theater. And so my mother's the oldest of nine. And so we all went. And we we had plans to go months in advance. And I said, I'm still going, I'm still renting the Airbnb. I remember Diana, wow. the Airbnb had like all the hand sanitizers and all the Lysol and all of that. Like this is over here and that's over there. And so right before the pandemic that happened, and now I finally just had 
my table, my dining room table filled with my kids and my cousin, of course, my mother, who's now fully vaccinated. So it's kind of like a similar situation. I just think it's interesting that you have the the family in LA. That's where I was. My mother grew up in the San Diego area. She migrated here earlier in her 20s. That's awesome. Sometimes I don't I don't know why I'm on the East Coast, but that's where <laughs> the jobs are, I guess, for uh, for my family. But I'd love to dig into that, Diana, because again, that was, you know, I've known you for many years now and I wouldn't have put like, I wouldn't have put the two and two together for the California. So I know that I'm curious about that origin story. Yeah. So I, um, after I graduated from undergrad, I I had a, a degree in communications, but I just couldn't really get a job and I didn't really have a lot of practical, technical knowledge or skills that could be used in the workforce. It was just very, very theoretical. I didn't really get a lot of practical usage out of my undergrad. And so I decided I wanted to get a master's in journalism because I just really enjoyed writing. And so I applied to a journalism schools. And one of them was NYU. And I got in. So I just decided to pick up and move to New York. I think growing up, I kind of grew up in this little bubble, you know, like a suburban bubble, I guess. And coming to New York where, as you know, it's like very gritty and tough and it's a high maintenance lifestyle, right? It's very, very different. And you have to be very confident and you have to be aggressive And there's just so many people vying for space. So that really helped me build confidence in myself, just moving to New York and having to navigate life in uh, in New York and also to be a reporter as well, just because you have to kind of be very confident and go up to people and ask them questions. And so that whole change from to New York just really helped define who I was. What I loved about just NYU is I always felt like here you are, you in the communications capital of the world. New York has so many things, the communications, financial capital of the world, fashion capital, although I guess the Italians would 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 beg to differ, the Parisians, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. But still, you know, so many things, there's such a vibe and there is such an energy. I can definitely see how coming here all of a sudden it's a little bit of a of a culture shock and i think you either change you yourself either kind of morph into this next version of you you know install a different operating system and then decide whether or not that you're going to be here but certainly you've had an illustrious illustrious career here i want to also say diana during the pandemic you have not literally missed a beat i give wealthmanagement.com and keeping your head in the game. We needed to lean into media in a way, I can't even imagine what the numbers of like advisor consumption on visits and all of those stats. But before we get into some of you know what you did prior to wealth management, I have to ask you, how did the pandemic change what was going on in, in, in media? Yeah, so I mean... I think from where I sit as a reporter, it's made it a lot easier to bond with sources because everyone's at home with their babies and dogs in the background. And I think it's also just been easier to get access to like top executives because 
again, or at least at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was just sitting at home. They're not traveling. They don't have heavy schedules with that you have to go through an assistant. Um, you know, so I could just call up a Brian Hamburger at Market Council or Cheryl Penny at Dynasty, and and they would have plenty of time to to chat. I guess on the downside, I just miss seeing my team every day in person and collaborating with them and just being able to stand up from my desk and be like, what do you guys think of this? So-and-so just said that they're doing this. Isn't that crazy? And I think also just not being able to meet sources in person and go to conferences. As you know, there's a lot of relationship building that happens in this industry. And a lot of that is in person. I think we've adapted well to the digital world, but I don't know. Nothing beats that in-person relationship that you build with someone. So, Absolutely. Yeah. It's how I remember. I don't know if you remember. We were at TD, TD yes. Ameritrade, right? Exactly. <laughs> I just come off the stage and I was like, wow, you were just on the stage there. And we started talking. And I think that we were the only two women at the... You were on stage too, right? One of the things, yes, that was with Facebook, right? That was yes. with Facebook comment. Exactly. And that which was bizarre, like her son-in-law is uh, one of the co-founders of Facebook and we're friends and we're linked and this whole idea of like financial empowerment. And a lot of us, we've had the same vibe and wanting the same thing for not only women in the financial services, it's just, it's people, it's next gen, it's how you feel empowered by knowing this information. If we look back at your career, you're able to write around so many different topics, right? Many people might not know that, hey, you were an intern at The Hollywood Reporter. You were also to a reporter at Institutional Investor. You spent time at The Daily Breeze. You were also to Managing Director of Heavy Duty Trucking. I mean, this is like when you report, you have to really understand these ecosystems and, and verticals. Why did you decide that wealth management and financial services was, was it for you, or at least it for now? Yeah. So I think I just kind of fell into it, honestly. After I graduated from NYU, I was living in a small apartment with a roommate on the Upper East Side, and I had to pay my rent, to be honest. I And the, the first full-time salary journalism job I could get was at institu- Institutional Investor which I was working in their newsletter division, not the magazine, but I was covering defined benefit pension plans for their newsletter division. And when I first got the job, I was like, this doesn't sound glamorous to me. I turned to my boyfriend at the time and I said, should I take this job? It's covering defined benefit pension plans. I don't even know what that is. (laughs) And he was like, you know what? Maybe it'll help you with your own finances. Learn more about that, that industry. And I was like, you know what? That you're right. Let me, that's a positive thing. So I took the job and that, that place was kind of a boot camp for financial journalists. Um, and, you know, many of the folks that worked there are now at Bloomberg, The Wall Street Journal, Dow Jones, Reuters, Barron's. I mean, you know, you name it. And, and that's where I met my husband. He worked five feet from me. And so I guess it was meant to be that job. See, and don't you think like 
when there are people moves in this industry, Diana, it's usually that they're joining another firm or even on the, on the reporting side, they're going to a different media publication. But I've never heard somebody say, well, yeah, you know, I'm leaving this industry to look to work at Cigar Aficionado, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it kind of just reminds me of when I first got into financial reporting. So when I got that job at, at II, I think my first week was Bear Stearns going under, you know, mm. and I, that was like the moment where I was like, wow, this is and I had to cover it that launched the financial crisis. And, and I, I just thought like, oh, this is exciting for a journalist. It was just such a big moment that the entire world, uh, I mean, or at least the country was, was watching. And so, yeah, but I guess when I started out in doing wealth management reporting, I knew nothing about the markets or investing. I didn't know what a broker dealer was, a wirehouse. I just sort of picked it up and learned it on along the way and, you know, I had a lot of great mentors along the way. One of my NYU journalism school professors, Tim Harper, he's a brilliant journalist. I, I still keep in touch with him. And he's always been an advocate for me. Um, David Armstrong, who, you know, our editor-in-chief and Bill O'Connor, our, our market leader for wealth management, they, they've been just great mentors to me. And, and, you know, for the better part of a decade, just extremely supportive bosses but I guess just one other thing I wanted to mention about this industry, it was very different from sort of the defined benefit plan market because when I came over here, I found that advisors are just really friendly people to talk to, very open, talkative, uh, you know, they're the boots on the ground. And so I, I love talking to advisors, defined benefit plans, they're institutional investors, they're very closely held they don't want to talk to reporters. So that was a very tough market to cover. So that's just one thing I really love about this space and kind of kept kept me rooted here. Just the ease of covering the market and advisors are just pretty friendly bunch. It, yeah. And, and here's the thing. I never knew that. We come into a line of work and we have limited under understanding because just based on our personal experiences, when I came into this industry as a second career person, not knowing these terms, but what, what keeps you here, to your point, are the people because they were the coolest, funnest group. And I, I said to myself, wow, why didn't I see the sign sooner? Advisors are great to talk to. I'm sure that a lot of great things came out about advisors wanting to even talk more because of the, the pandemic as well, but just being a group of people. How is it that you get your, your intel from advisors? Because there are advisors listening, right? And you've written about the Brian Hamburgers, the Cheryl Pennies, lots of amazing leaders in this industry. But one of the things that I want to say is that wealthmanagement.com has also balanced the scales. And, and so what would be your recommendation for advisors listening that are like, wow, I know that I, I'd love to get in touch with the Diana Britton and, and make myself available and get to talk to you about what they're doing right now, especially while we're in this messy middle period going now in person. What would be your advice? Yeah, I mean, I think us reporters just want to have 
sources that will talk openly and honest with us about what trends they're seeing, uh, their their biggest challenges, um, you know, the biggest bugaboos that they come across in their business. Obviously, we're writing about all the the big companies, the ecosystem that surrounds the advisor, the custodians, the broker dealers, the fintech vendors that provide the platforms that they're on. The RIA service providers like a Dynasty or a, a Focus or a Hightower, those the the big players like that. So if they are part of those or they know something about those, that's that's always helpful and keeping an ear to ground about that. But yeah, I mean, I I'm totally open to advisors just reaching out and and building a relationship with me and and saying, you know, hey, if you're ever working on something that you think I can be of help with, give me a call or, um, you know, obviously we want people who not only can talk on the record, but can also just kind of talk off the record or on background about just things that they're seeing and uh, things that are going on behind the scenes that other advisors would benefit from knowing and kind of realizing that they might not necessarily be quoted all the time. But yeah, just open and honest conversations are, are the most helpful, I guess, for us. Hmm, That's really interesting. I like how you positioned it and saying like, hey, you're not going to always get quoted, but what a great idea to have an intelligent conversation and really an energized discussion around what's going on right now. So yeah, your main motivation shouldn't be, let me call to get mentioned in the press somewhere. You should call because you're a passionate professional and you're interested in the trends and the challenges right now. I think it would be worthwhile to talk a little bit about some of those trends and challenges. I think we're starting to see the effects of the TD Ameritrade and Schwab merger play out. M&A has been also, too, a major trend in our industry. Even the individual REA leader, all of a sudden, they're selling their firm. And while they're realizing economies of scale, some other challenges come along with that. What do you think are going to be some of the modern themes for the latter half of 2021? Yeah, I mean, I think COVID has accelerated several trends that were already starting to materialize before the pandemic started. So for many years, older advisors went along without written formal secession plans. But the pandemic, I think, really woke a lot of folks up and caused them to really examine their business continuity plans driven somewhat by regulatory scrutiny there, but also people having to switch to a digital environment with the pandemic. And ultimately, I think it it caused a lot of folks to speed up their secession plans. And it caused the industry to get a lot more creative in terms of how they were getting deals done. They, They did slow down a little bit last year, but a lot of people got more innovative in terms of how how to structure a deal so they could drive deals forward despite the pandemic. Another trend that I think it accelerated is the move to a more digital advisor workstation and more digital client experience. I mean, we've been talking about those trends for for years and and there were a lot of like sort of tech holdouts and folks didn't want to move away from like legacy processes and procedures that they've had for years. But I think the pandemic really just caused a lot more firms to get on the bandwagon and and get robust tech platforms in place. And just to be able to run their businesses from anywhere, they had to, to get on that bandwagon. And so, and then another trend that I've seen is I think independent broker dealers 
are really expanding their services to advisors. And I mean, I've seen them kind of evolve over the years to become sort of just very large RIAs. And they've been expanding their affiliation models that they have to offer more choice to advisors and be more flexible. You know, a lot of them have employee models, for example, uh, fee-only models. Some have these internal succession planning platforms, sort of like an investment bank almost in-house so that advisors don't have to go outside to get help with M&A deals and to get deals done. They can, they can go to their independent broker dealer. But yeah, I guess those are some of the trends I've seen recently. Yeah, I would agree. And and you just named some really good ones, succession, technology, and the expansion of, of service, which, you know, as it relates to the client experience, if you already have this captivated group of, of advisors, why not see how you can scale your platform and with technology and integration right now, it's it's just the perfect array of all of these things kind of coming together and, and clashing at one time. So it is, it's, it's very exciting. There's been so many moves. And of course, wealthmanagement.com has been on the cusp of this. Diana, you are the managing editor at wealthmanagement.com. Wealthmanagement.com is huge. How does wealth management fit into Informa for those people listening who don't know? Yeah, so Informa is a business-to-business events, intelligence, and scholarly research group. And we sit within our events group, which delivers not just live events, but digital content aimed at connecting professionals with knowledge, ideas, and opportunities. So. That's where we come in, delivering relevant content for wealth management professionals, bringing them the insights they need to run a better business on a daily basis. And, you know, we're also collaborating more with our Informa colleagues on financial services related events, such as Inside ETFs, Wealthstack, and the upcoming Inside Wealth, which is a virtual conference at the end of April. And of course, you know, we have our annual Wealthies, the the Wealth Management Industry Awards program, which is, it's crazy. It's in our seventh year. It doesn't seem like it because I feel like the first year we did it, I had just had my son. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's just, the years just fly by. But this program uh, celebrates the companies, individuals, and organizations that demonstrate outstanding achievement in support of financial advisor success. So the ecosystem that surrounds the advisor, we're going to announce the finalists on June 1st. And Tina, I know you've graciously volunteered as one of our award judges for for many years. So thank you for that. Um, We really appreciate that. And last year, we had to do the evening awards presentation virtually due to COVID. But this year, we hope to return in person to this, the Ziegfeld Ballroom in Manhattan for the black tie dinner. I'm thinking of running a tux this year. I'm kind, <laughs> I'm kind of tired of wearing the ball gown, although it's fun. What do you think about that? 
Oh my God. I think that would be, I think that would be the best or do like a Beyonce, like have like lots of different changes of outfits and like go to the bathroom and do like, yes, like that is oh, that's uh, a great I idea. That, yeah. that could be fun. I remember one of the years, even to seeing you pregnant with, with Tina. And so, yeah, I think that I've been going to, I think the only one that I missed was the first one. I think I've been there since the, since the second one. It's just such a fun event. I, I love it. I, I missed it last year. I hope it'll work out this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to be there. I wouldn't miss it too. And if you're listening right now, we're going to have all of uh, Diana's uh, information. You don't have to be a finalist. You can just come out. There's usually some some panels. There's a, a, a pre-show. And now what I what I commend wealthmanagement.com are these like wealthies digital forums. I was really honored to do the digital marketing and corporate social responsibility. I mean, tap into this knowledge. It's there to just empower every single advisor that's listening. Yeah. And so I know we've got lots of wealthies digital forums going on throughout this year. There's one May 19th on practice management. There's one June 23rd on technology and July 21st on marketing and, uh, relationship and, and, and client communication. So just really good stuff. And a lot of what I feel that the awards is here to do, Diana, is to help advisors future-proof their businesses, to help them solve the challenges that every single advisor, a lot of these are, are the same things, the way that advisors solve them are differently. What would be your advice right now for advisors listening? And they are, they, they want to do more. They want to take, they want to lean in more towards the trends and the future. What would be your advice for, for that person right now? I think it's just important for advisors to kind of look to the future and see what parts of their business that that will accommodate some of the trends that we're seeing right now. So how can they find a younger advisor who can come in and take over their business that might involve creating some more career paths Mm. um, within their firm so that younger advisors and, and younger talent can see the path to, to ownership and the, and the path to partnership. It might involve uh, changing out some of that old legacy technology and looking at sort of the top providers in, in the important areas, CRM, performance reporting, all uh, compliance, the back office stuff that you need to get um, in line with. And there are just so many great tools out there. And, and the Wealthies is a great um, you know, looking at the winners of 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 those categories, that's a great place to start because those folks are innovating. They're constantly doing iterations and coming out with 2.0 and 3.0 and 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 constantly making improvements to the technology, not just sort of putting it out there um, and letting it sit. So, um, I think those are a couple of things that I would recommend. I want to also say too that one of the areas that that I see the industry changing, you and me both, you started a podcast in December of 2019. That is three months before the pandemic. And it's uh, Transparency with Diana B is the name of it. And here's where I thought was how you came into it very differently your narrative is refreshing, it's transparent, and it's open. So if you could just explain to the people listening right now, 
What is transparency with Diana B all about? Yeah, so I I had the idea because I was kind of looking out at the uh, you know the landscape of the wealth management coverage, I guess, editorial coverage out there, and I was just seeing a lot of mostly like practice management and business management and how do you do M&A and how do you do prospecting and marketing? But there, I wasn't seeing a whole lot about personal development for financial advisors and how do you overcome personal struggles just everyday people have because this is a very stressful job. And for some piece on wealthmanagement.com, I was watching SNL sketches portraying financial advisors or brokers over the years And many of them had the broker jumping out of a window because he lost money or he's lost his client's money or something. And so I was like, this is a, it's supposed to be funny, but it's, there's some truth to that. It's a very stressful job and there's not a lot of focus on mental health um, in this industry. And so that was, that hatched the idea. And I was kind of wanted people to come in and be very transparent and open about their problems, anything from, serious illness to addictions to financial troubles, anything. And I I know I've covered a lot, but I guess the idea was to not just throw these problems out there, but to see how these folks came out the other side of it and really found healing and support. And um, so that other people that might be listening can also find healing and support if they're going through something similar or if they have loved ones or clients even going through something similar. And I think a lot of these are just anyone can relate. I'll I'll just point to one that sort of really impacted me. I've learned a, a lot from hearing these stories and really loved hearing hearing these stories from these advisors. And I admittedly, I think I haven't experienced much trauma and hardships in my own life. But to hear these stories, it's really helped me better understand folks that are going through really hard times. And it also kind of has given me a different perspective on life and how to better enjoy life, how to live in the moment and to prioritize things that are important. That's, That's sort of some of the things that I've that I've learned from folks. That's a beautiful takeaway right there. And what I love is to know that, well, nobody's perfect. We, we know that. But certainly it's like, hey, this happened to you and you can still have a future being a financial advisor and working in the profession. Because I think a lot of at least what I believe to be true was, oh, you have to be good with numbers. Oh, you have to have money. You have to be rich, Right. And these advisors are so human. A couple of your episodes really impacted me. There was one, and forgive me for not remembering the, the name of the advisor. He talked about taking an international trip where he fell ill and that he needed to be like helicoptered away from where he was and that Nowadays, when anybody's traveling internationally, I'm like, oh, you have health insurance, right? You know where like the nearest hospital is and what would happen if, and you have cash just in case, and you can access money and you have all those things figured out. And then there was recently Brian Walsh Jr. who talked about post-traumatic stress disorder and being in a car accident. And I mean, these are real, these are real stories that really humanize 
I think the profession. Yeah. And I think another thing that kind of pops up in a lot of these is when people get into these situations in trauma and, and hardships, the, the planner kicks in. And, and so their, their profession really kicks in and, and that can help them through it a lot of times. But like one, I was thinking one that really resonated with, with me was with John Highland, who's the co-founder of Private Advisor Group, a large RIA in New Jersey. And a lot of people in the industry, they know John, but few people know his personal story of battling AML, which is the most deadly form of blood cancer, not once not twice, but three times he battled it. And he talks about facing his mortality, the difficulties of just grueling treatment he went through and having to tell his wife and kids. And the reason it resonated with me so much is that my father died of cancer in 2016. Uh, He had pancreatic cancer different than John's, but pancreatic is, is the most aggressive form of cancer and so, you know, I was with my dad during the last days of his life, giving him drugs to ease his pain. And, and but that John's experience really resonated with me because that was one of the most painful experiences of my life so far with losing a parent. But yeah. I'm sorry about your dad. And I think it takes such courage and John's story as well, too. And I know John and he's an unbelievable individual. He's so positive. And I think we all appreciate from the pandemic. I appreciate just being alive. I appreciated being alive before the pandemic, even things that used to bother me. I'm like, hey, no problem. It's this better version of all of this. And in hearing these stories, again, I think humanizes the profession and wants to get more young people involved. I think that was also too another great suggestion, like think about how you can get next gen involved and certainly look at some of the business leaders who have been able to do it. And there are examples of it. And hearing these stories really humanizes people. And you realize that, aren't we so blessed to be amongst these great leaders? The, the industry is made up of people who really care about one another, and we can all learn learn something from one another. So we'll have the link. Uh, Diana's podcast is everywhere, certainly on wealthmanagement.com, but you're on Apple, Google, Spotify, all, all the places. So listen to a few of those stories. Hey, listeners, you can now text me at 201-581-3983 to join our text-based community in the suite. After you do that, we'll be lifting you up, inspiring you, and supercharging your life and your career with awesome quotes, resources, videos, and tips we learned from our great guests. It couldn't be any easier. Just text 201-581-3983 to join. One of the things where I think where you and I have really gelled, I've seen you on stage at all of the the conferences and really leaning into senior leadership. You have a great relationship with them. As someone that's been, you've been at wealthmanagement.com for almost 11 years. How do you think that we could do a better job? You shared a fantastic quote recently. It was Women's History Month that women still represent just 18% of financial advisor headcount. And we know the industry to be such a compassionate group of caring people that women would just be like, what an unbelievable career for a female. Yeah, I mean, 
Honestly, I I wish I had the silver bullet, you know, that would cause women to come flooding into this industry. But I think it will take women's initiatives that aren't just lip service. We've heard about women's initiatives and women's conferences for for years. I, I think, like I said before, I think we also do need better career paths for women so that they can join an existing advisory firm and, and learn the ropes. And I think that may involve some alternative compensation approaches that just aren't based on production. Also, having paths to ownership will attract women and, and younger talent as well. Not just saying that you're going to be a partner on day one, but that there are factors and opportunities for that down the line. I think that'll attract folks One thing I wanted to mention, Kate Healy, I was talking to her recently. She's the chair of the Foundation for Financial Planning. She actually said that the number, the total number of women across the industry is much more promising when you take into account those that are in support and operations roles, just like CEO roles. She says it's more like 46%, according to FA Insight. And she argues that we may be doing ourselves a disservice and scaring women off by putting out the 18%. When women hear that, it can be a little daunting, but it is in fact higher if you look at across the industry. Mm, Some some good news there. Yeah, that's some some great news. We've had Kate on the podcast and I mean, her commitment to NextGen has just been incredible. You mentioned a really important point that the, and the back office and being part of support, marketing support is support. I love it here. Uh, and the people that we bring in, right? All, all of my team, nobody came from financial services. And I do that intentionally. To those women who are listening, who might not be part of the, the industry, wow, we get to really work with amazing fintech right now. Financial services has gotten so technology heavy in a great way. It makes it a very exciting place for millennials and even the, the Gen Zs. So I would love for, for you to, um, you're going to give us a book recommendation. I know that I'm really excited for that. And then I would also like people to know not only how to get in, in touch with you, but the larger ecosystem of wealthmanagement.com and your podcast. Yeah. So, I mean, my email address is diana.britton at informa.com. Um, you can just email me anytime. Wealthmanagement.com is the website. We have all of our contact information on there. My podcast is on there. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple, all of the, the major podcast platforms. If you want to have your finger on the pulse, and we have a lot of great publications in our industry, wealthmanagement.com just happens to be one of them. But take initiative to just, I think we all do a better job as leaders when we understand what is going on and where are the trends and what what we can learn more importantly from each other. Yeah, we do have a morning memo, which is an email newsletter that goes out every morning at 6 a.m. We have a daily memo, which is an afternoon newsletter that goes out around 3.30 p.m. Eastern time every day. So those are great resources that we have. One of the, the last questions that we're asking people are for book recommendations. So what's on your list that, that we need to make sure that we read this year? Yeah, so this is a book uh, written by an industry person. It's called Winning the Talent Shift. It's a book by Berta Aldrich, who is the former CMO of Private Advisor Group, uh, John Hyland's 
firm actually. And this is a book, it kind of ties back to what we were talking about with hiring and promoting top talent. It's more of a general book. It's not necessarily about the wealth management industry. It can apply to across industries, but she writes about how companies should shift the way they go about hiring and promoting folks. It's sort of a guide for companies to remove invisible barriers that are preventing employees from feeling valued, heard, and making an impact at, at the company. Uh, I think it's a great, great book, especially for women who are looking to navigate the corporate world. That's a great, great suggestion. Diana Britton, thank you so, so much. I appreciate you, all of the work that you've done. Thank you for staying here on the East Coast with us, you know, freezing and just being a constant at wealthmanagement.com and just being a resource for, for so many people and just being willing to keep the lines of communication opening. So thank you and thank you to your thank you to your kids too for letting us have you today. We appreciate it so very much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to In The Suite, a podcast that shares amazing stories from women in business in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Our producers are Tina Powell and Kevin Hirshhorn. Our editor-at-large is Kevin Hirshhorn. Our content writers are Dimple Rashamdani, Sarah Smirker, and Tina Powell. Our research and technical assistant is Rachel Powell. In The Suite podcast is sponsored by C-Suite Social Media, a digital marketing and social media agency for C-Suite leaders and companies in finance and technology. You can visit csuitesocialmedia.com to learn more. And thank you so much for listening and subscribing to In The Suite podcast. We are so, so grateful to you. We've got listeners in 681 cities and 40 countries. This podcast was inspired and created for you ladies. So please let us know how you enjoyed this episode with the amazing Diana Britton and share your thoughts on LinkedIn and Twitter, hashtag In The Suite. You can connect with her on LinkedIn and follow her on Twitter, Diana underscore Britton. B-R-I-T-T-O-N. And be sure to check out her podcast, Transparency with Diana B on wealthmanagement.com and all the podcast outlets. As always, if you would like to share the name of a rock star woman in financial services we should interview in 2021, please send it to me at Tina at InTheSweetPodcast.com. Again, thank you so much for listening and subscribing to In The Suite.